they'll take an identity that they can lift off of social media and they'll assume it and use it for different nefarious purposes. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. Mark, how are you doing today? Mr. Chairman, I am doing well, other than it's cold in Connecticut, and I'm sure it's pretty cold in Chicago, too, right? Yeah, we had a little snow yesterday, a uh, couple inches, but, uh, you know, we're getting used to it. It's uh, it's no problem here in Chicago. Snowblower started right up. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, Mike, I just want to talk to you a couple seconds about the IFCI. We're into 2024. Really excited about this year's conference. It's going to be in Henderson, Nevada, right outside of Las Vegas. And uh, for any of those in law enforcement or in the private sector, go to the IFCI website. IAFCI.org website, and you can find out about our international conference. We have a great lineup that's going to be coming, and uh, hope those that are in the field uh, feel free to come down and, and spend a week of some great training. Yeah, you know, Mark, I've been a longtime member of the IFCI, almost uh, 28 years. It's such a great organization. I know we have some new listeners out there, but it's an organization that provides great training and education to our members. What are we up to about 7,400 members made up of law enforcement, uh, bank investigators, credit card investigators, all that are out there that are members are trying to protect our public, you know, doing the best, uh, getting great training and education through us to take that back to their organization and provide training and education to their members and their customers. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we do it for, you know, uh, not only our careers so we can be the best that we can be, but we do it for the public. You know, we're out there protecting citizens, victims of crimes. We're trying to seek justice. So, like I said, it is a great partnership with this organization and the private and public sector. And, Mike, you know, I love about this podcast is we get to interview the best of the best. And uh, we have a very special guest today. I know you know him very well. And uh, with your permission, I'd like to introduce our first guest. Go right ahead. All right. Our next guest has over 33 years of government service with 18 years as a federal agent. He joined the United States Marine Corps in 1990, where he served over 10 years of active duty and 20 years in the reserves. He started his federal law enforcement career with the Drug Enforcement Agency in 2004 and served four years with the DEA. In 2008, he answered the call to become a postal inspector. In 2012, he was promoted to program manager of the Technical Services Unit at National Headquarters, where he managed covert electronic surveillance operations. In 2016, he was promoted to the Assistant Inspector in Charge of Communications for National Headquarters. In 2020, he was promoted to Inspector in Charge of Communications, Governance, and Strategy Group for National Headquarters. Since 2021, he has been the Inspector in Charge of the Los Angeles Division, where he manages and authorizes 162 inspectors, postal police officers, and professional and technical and administrative staff. Mike and I are honored to have on the show the Inspector in Charge for the Los Angeles Division of the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, Mr. Carol Harris. 
Hey, it's great to be with you and the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators, a well-respected organization, much as the one that I have the privilege to serve with now, the Postal Inspectors. Looking forward to speaking with you today. Carol, thank you so much. We appreciate it. You know, we were just talking a few minutes ago about the great partners that the IFCI has, and uh, one of them is the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. I think we probably have over 200 inspectors that are part of the IFCI uh, Chief Gary Barksdale is a big supporter of the IFCI. Uh, you have the Financial Industry Mail Security Initiative, which is always a great turnout. So we love the inspection service. Uh, myself, 29 years as a postal inspector and back helping out as a contractor analyst working in Chicago. And, and it's great to be back working with postal inspectors. And I'm telling you, the new ones that are coming in are so smart, man. They, I got a lot of catching up to do, but it's great to know, you know, we got some really good, smart inspectors coming into inspection service. I feel the same way, working with the teams out here and across the country, because our cases, a lot of things will start in the West and move to the East. And the, uh, the inspectors that are taking these cutting edge technologies and turning them into discovery and great case evidence, it's always amazing to me. As the tech evolves, they evolve with it. It's a, a dance and the music won't stop. And and our inspectors of all age groups are embracing it and taking advantage of it to do good for the community. It's, it's just incredibly rewarding to be around them and to witness what these investigators can do together. Yeah, Carol, I was just curious. How did you get involved with the inspection service? How did you become a postal inspector? I, um, similar to many postal inspectors, I uh, was a federal agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration. And I had done that for a number of years and picked up some cases with the postal inspectors. And the DEA was a great place to be. I absolutely love working there and have the greatest admiration and respect for the mission and the people and incredible work they do. Uh, while I was doing a couple of narcotics cases with some postal inspectors in the Midwest out of Detroit division and not far from where, where you used to be, Mike, up in Chicago, we're running around uh, some fields in northern Indiana. They started telling me about the other work the postal inspectors do. I wasn't familiar with the Postal Inspection Service. And I've been in the DEA for a number of years. So once they told me the stories of, that they do in the other parts of the Postal Inspection Service beyond just the narcotics work, which is rewarding and righteous and, and the right thing to do in and of itself. They told me about working fraud cases where some people had stolen from the older Americans and taken all their savings. These people had no assets left. They told me about a case like that they were working and it hit my heartstrings. They told me about a child exploitation case they were working where the mails were being used to move drives and money in a child exploitation case. And I wanted to go on the warrants with them. And they said, well, Carol, you're, you, know, you work narcotics for the DA. This is what inspectors do. So that was it. I was done. I became a postal inspector, right? Then I just, all right, that's nice. it. When are you hiring? I'm coming over. <laughs> awesome. So, Carol, I, I, I always say on the show, uh, you know, the Postal Inspection Service are sort of like the unsung heroes of federal law enforcement. People don't realize how involved you are in, like you said, so many different types of investigations, narcotics. It could be gun trafficking. It could be uh, mail fraud, mail theft, you know, suspicious packages, uh, threats. So, you know, I really appreciate what you've done throughout your tenure. And I also want to thank you for your service in the military. Uh, I know you served 10 years uh, active duty and, and 20 years as a, a reservist. So thank you for what you do for this country and, and for the Postal Inspection Service. Well, thank you. It's been an honor to serve in both of those capacities. I feel like I'm surrounded by heroes and I am grateful for every day I get to meet, be around, support, and work with 
anyone who takes the oath. I feel strongly about the oath and earning our credentials every day. Because, you know, when you take an oath, you're signing a blank check and you're agreeing to go into harm's way. And the, the military and our law enforcement do that. And I don't take it lightly. And um, I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful for what I've been doing for over three decades now to be around people like that. Well, thank you, Carol. And you know what? The nice thing is our audience out there to protect this podcast feels the same way about our brothers and sisters in law enforcement. So, you know, we, we thank the support that we get from our listeners and from our communities for law enforcement and those in the private sector as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all it's a, a team that crosses multiple jurisdictions, multiple lines, the, the business partnership, the, the inspection service works with many corporations that ties into cases, over 200 different federal statutes that can affect the mail or America's commerce that we could have a piece of. So we're working with everyone. And um, there's a lot of delivery points. So there's a lot of exposure out there. As you can imagine, I believe the last figure is over 160 million delivery points. There's billions of pieces of mail on the flow and billions in commerce. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of opportunity. And that does draw the eye of a criminal on occasion. Hey, Carol, I wanted to go back to something you said, because I'm a little curious. Uh, you said that the crime committed in, in L.A. or Western is going to come east, you know, towards Chicago. And I always said that. Is there something that you see now out on the West Coast that uh, I should prepare for or our team or for the inspectors should prepare for here in the Chicago area? Well, uh, it's something that's widely reported and well-known is the, the dangerous drugs that flow through the United States source in the Southwest, and they come through my AOR. And so I'm, I'm highly aware of that. And I can tell you under the leadership of uh, Chief Gary Barksdale, this organization has oriented strongly around that issue and been working on it for years. And we're now designated a national drug control agency. And the chief sits at the top highest levels and has got us involved because we are uniquely positioned to help. Now that could be with the flow of the drugs or the flow of the money, but in some cases, in some cases, both. So we have those things happening, and that is definitely pushing west to east as it, as it comes into the U.S. here and in some cases enters domestic mail flows. So we're working it, and we're pulling out kilo-level quantities, and we're executing search warrants. We're executing arrest warrants. We're working with our partners whom I have the greatest respect for and all the other agencies, the DEA, HSI, FBI, we're bringing that whole of government approach where we don't just take our piece and not compare notes to make sure that we cast the widest net possible when it comes to narcotics enforcement. We partner, we share information, we work on task forces, and we bring in the, uh, the effort so that we're at the right place at the right time with the right intelligence to have the maximum impact to hurt the cartels for what they're doing. We're aware of what's going on with an opioid epidemic and other drugs, heroin, cocaine. We focus on the most dangerous and the most egregious things, and, and we get them out of domestic mail to make our community safe here and across the country, but as well as the employee. Sometimes yeah. uh, having those things in the mail could be an exposure, you know, a, a, an increased risk for our employees. So and we don't want that. We've got over 600,000 employees was the last number I heard. I don't know the exact number today. But the Postal Service is huge, right? That's a lot of employees. And all the delivery points that we've got out there, plus a lot of businesses and personal residences and facilities to boot, there's over 30,000 facilities. That network is constantly being scoured. So we don't want 
dangerous substances in there that can draw attention from some folks out there that could be associated with cartels or gangs, or maybe they're just not thinking right in some cases. Sometimes people have these uh, lapses in judgment and they start committing crimes to hurt people. So we're doing everything we can mm. to stop the flow from west to east. Hey, Carol, for those that may not know, though, what, what is AOR? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I, you know, I don't always realize I'm speaking an acronym. That's my area of responsibility. <laughs> and that, you know, the, the federal, or federal, state, local law enforcement, we all have our own unique vernaculars. The Postal Service has its own unique vernacular where we can speak in acronyms all day and not even say a word, and everybody will understand it. And my 30 years in the Marine Corps also has another set. Sometimes I get all those crossed up in my head, and I don't know what acronym people do. <laughs> <and> don't know. <laughs> I do, I do know what FUBAR stands for, but we will not say that on the show. But um, <laughs> so, I, I can uh, say I've honestly Carol, heard that in every one of my lanes of authority. I've heard that acronym. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Carol, I, I wanted to ask you, too, um, we have some incredible people in our communities, you know, and some of those special groups to me that hold a special place in my heart are older Americans and then also our military veterans. And I would love for you to share a little bit about what the Postal Inspection Service is doing to protect our both our veterans and our older Americans, you know, from fraud, scams, and cybercrimes. So, uh, and thank you for that prompt. It's been something that the Inspection Service has been out in front of for years when it comes to protecting our communities from fraud. And that includes older Americans. It includes younger Americans. It includes veterans. It includes everyone. And so there's a lot of expertise there. And it's great to see us working. We, we're partnering with all the other federal agencies to do it. So one of the things we're doing is we are partnering with people and, and working with groups to where when we bring in all the right information, we're able to have the maximum impact. That's one of the things we do. Um, we are often requested by the U.S. Attorney's Office because we're known for our ability to have high impact fraud cases, both East Coast and West Coast. They'll come to us with things that they want us to work on. it. So the skill sets within the organization has been there and it's part of the, the modus operandi of the organization to have people with that strong skill set. And, and many of them get it participating through IOFI and other organizations. So one of the protection measures that we have that's good for people to be aware of is we have strong public-facing campaigns to try to educate, warn, forewarn the public we believe forewarned is forearmed. So that's one of the big things we do on the prevention side that it's helpful for our partners to know because we're rich in resources that can prevent the crime. Yeah. And I could tell you, uh, Carol, you know, just from my years in local law enforcement and being a task force officer, you know, the postal inspection service really makes it a tremendous effort to educate the public, make them aware of new scams or frauds that are going on. So kudos uh, to the postal inspection service. Like I said, you're probably one of the best uh, federal agencies that uh, takes that initiative uh, to heart and educates our public. Well, thank you for that. Uh, the chief is leaning in. We've been participating in the Elder Justice Coordinating Council. Uh, we work well with FTC. We partner with AARP. And specifically, if it's all right, I'd like to share about the Veterans Campaign, because all those agencies I just mentioned were a part of it. Sure. Go right ahead, please. So... A few years ago, we coordinated a massive public-facing campaign to help protect veterans. We're aware of many frauds and scams that are happening just in the general population, but we learned about some that are specifically tailored to the veteran community, and we have millions of veterans. 
So what we wanted to do was to get out and forewarn these veterans and their caregivers and their families so that we could prevent some of these scams that have a unique veteran twist. So we came up with a program called Operation Protect Veteran. And uh, we partnered with AARP and we used our postal service facilities, which again, there's over 30,000 facilities across the nation. The, you think about it, many of these small towns, the, the post office is a, a critical piece of infrastructure. It's a social hub, it's a communication hub. It's just a powerful piece of real estate. And that applies in the, in the major urban centers as well. So we put into these facilities that we have all over the country, a combined messaging brochure with us and AARP warning about scams that we had learned about and identified so that we could help prevent those scams. And that went out. We did press releases. We put up websites. Ours is USPIS.gov. It's rich in fraud prevention material on all lanes if you go in there and it's searchable. So that's another great resource for our partners to be aware of as well as the community because you can refer people to it and, and find things that can help you to prevent being a victim and, and to better position yourself moving forward. Or if you're worried about someone in your family that might be susceptible. Hey, Carol, I just want to go back to what you're saying. I'm on the uh, inspection service website right now and they got a nice article here uh, protecting our veterans and uh, there's a nice trifold that you, you could download in fact, we can put it in our show notes uh, to protect our veterans. So I know, the, like you said, the inspection service is doing a lot of things. And this is a, for our listeners, you just go to USPIS.gov slash veterans and you can learn a lot more about uh, what Carol is talking about. Hey, Carol, can I ask you, though, is there like a certain scam that would target veterans more than like other scams out there? Yes, there are. There are a handful of them. Uh, that apply to veterans in, in, you know, the wink and smile exists in all the fraud scams, but some of the things that apply specifically to the veterans that we like to warn about would be tied to their VA benefits. And one of them I'll give you is where it's called aid and attendance. So some of our veterans that come back, uh, if they've struggled financially, and that happens in the veteran community, we have everything, highly successful veterans who are doing great and some are struggling. Aid and attendance is where you can get some income assistance if you're in a tough spot in life and you don't have enough cash flows to take care of yourself. Well, what's happening with some of these fraud scams is they're approaching veterans that are on the the threshold of being qualified or not. They're they're doing pretty good, but they're maybe on the lower end where they could almost get qualified. They're convincing veterans to do something immoral, which is to hide assets so that they can qualify to get some of these cash flows from the government that are meant to help you if you're hurting. And in some cases, they take the assets, you know, the assets disappear or, or they take a, a portion of the assets, but basically they're manipulating people that are hurting. Some of the veterans that come back, maybe they've been through something traumatic and they, they may be struggling. They can have post-traumatic stress. They can be lonely. And some of these veterans don't have a great depth of life experience. You can be a 19-year-old veteran versus someone who's maybe had decades more experience and you've developed some more skills and resiliency and things like that. So it's all the ages that can get approached. The scam artists have realized that veterans rate benefits and cash flows for certain situations. And so they're targeting the veterans and they're using something called affinity where they come in and they say, hey, I was in the Marines. You know, if somebody tells me they're in the Marines, I'm going to immediately love them. Or any, any service member or law enforcement, it's going to break down a barrier for me, right? Right. Just like talking with you guys. My barriers come down because I know you've served in sworn capacities. You've taken the oath. So my guard goes down. When the guard goes down, 
then some people can can more easily be tricked. That's what they're doing with the veterans. They're using affinity schemes, they're establishing relationships, and then they're doing things to get access to veterans' benefits or money or getting the veterans to do things that aren't in their, their short-term or long-term interest. Yeah. And Carol, that brings up another point, you know, not only financially, but a lot of veterans come back and there might be health concerns, mental health, medical concerns, um, stuff like that. Are there frauds out there targeting veterans for those type of situations? Absolutely. So some veterans uh, rate care through the Veterans Health Administration or they have disability pensions. And some of this can be difficult to navigate, quite frankly. I can tell you, I myself have received care. I've had multiple surgeries with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I like to think I'm, I'm relatively sharp, and it wasn't easy for me to navigate it. I've got two master's degrees and a bachelor's degree, and, a, and I'm having what I believe to be a wonderful life. And it wasn't easy for me to navigate it. Now, imagine being someone who has been in an IED or who has had other horrific injuries that can happen in combat and don't have all the education and experience that I'm fortunate enough to have having been on the earth for multiple decades now, they're struggling to get through it. And their resources and support network may not be easy. Now, VA does a great job trying to help people navigate it, but the bottom line is it's difficult. If the wrong person gets in their ear, they can manipulate them and those cash flows. So one example would be, say the veteran struggle. Say you're 20 years old, you're a combat vet, and you've been shot up, or, or maybe you're an IED, you're at home, you're struggling. And they get a hold of this vet and they say, look, I'm going to help you update your file. I know how the VA works. I'm your buddy. I'm your battle buddy. They break down the barrier. They use the affinity. The vet buys into it. Next thing you know, they're getting the PII or what we call personally identifying information so that they can then manipulate that and do fraudulent charges or just steal the identity outright. The other thing they'll do is they'll tell the vet, look, I know how it works. I'll help you with your file give me your money, it's a a little fee, and I'll get it updated. You don't have to pay to update your files with the United States government. It's something that's free. Right. Our veterans deserve our adulation. They don't deserve to be targeted by criminals. And when people do that, that sticks in my crawl. You're absolutely right, 100%. And um, it's terrible, you know, because I was thinking what you were saying is – there's these fraudsters out there that are taking advantage of our veterans, you know, with these benefits and things like that. I mean, their their purpose is to either get all those benefits or get a percentage of them by allegedly helping uh, a veteran to receive benefits. But you know, I was just thinking, do you talk at all, work with the Veterans Administration? I mean, I'm sure they're aware of all these scams that are targeting veterans. Is that something that uh, you had an opportunity to talk to them in the past about? I have. They've been good partners for us. We have shared with them. I spoke on their Born to Battle uh, podcast. We have shared our materials, our prevention materials, explaining the scams on their website. We have shared information on their social media, as well as our own social media, which I didn't mention. We, Depending on how the listeners like to consume, we have Facebook, Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, and we're on X. So there's lots of different ways to consume this information besides our website that we mentioned. So absolutely, Veterans Administration has been, been uh, a nice partner, and I will welcome further nice. conversations and sharing with them. 
Carol, I want to bring up another, uh, uh, kind of flipping the script here a little bit when it comes to targeting veterans, but some of these scammers will use veterans or veterans' pictures or steal their identities uh, or social media sites in order to victimize somebody else. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the prevention that can be done in those areas. Yeah, that is that is something that's good for the general public as well, just to be aware of. They've done it with veterans as well as non-veterans. They'll take an identity that they can lift off of social media, and they'll assume it and use it for different nefarious purposes. One example is they develop relationships to try to endear someone in a loving relationship. They'll pretend to be a veteran overseas in combat to develop a love relationship with someone stateside. And then eventually they'll make the approach where I need money to fly back or they'll make up something. Hey, I got stuck in Germany on the rotator. Can you help me? We've seen that. So that's something to definitely be aware of and watch out. Obviously, there's all sorts of red flags with that. And that applies in the veteran as well as the non-veteran community for those love cases where people are pretending to fall in love online. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Carol, there's actually an organization out there that Mike and I and the ICI uh, met with last year called Advocating Against Romance Scammers, and this nonprofit was formed because the the woman who was the co-founder, her mother was targeted in a romance scam, and they stole the identity and photos of Brian Denny, who was uh, also a founding member of this organization. So the two of them connected, and now they educate about, you know, profiles being stolen, social media sites and your photos and protecting them as veterans. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and then the other thing, too, is what about charities or, or people claiming they're with charities to help veterans? How do we differentiate between those that are good and bad? We had last year, we had the Tunnels to Tower on, Frank Siller. Um, you know, which we know obviously is an incredible organization. But what if people, veterans, get these calls or emails? Can you give them some advice if the public is contacted by email or phone number or text and they're claiming to be an organization helping veterans? Sure. So many of these organizations will not solicit you if you have not asked for a solicitation, signed up, followed, liked, or something to that nature. So most of those texts, uh, the preponderance of texts that are going to come in if they're asking you to do something like that, are going to be a scam. So with that said, well, how can you check that if, you, if you're not sure? Well, there are multiple organizations that can help you. Charity Watch, uh, Navigator Charity, but there are multiple charity websites you can look and they'll validate if an organization is a reputable charity or not. So I would, I would encourage you to look at those. That includes Better Business Bureau. It also includes the combined federal campaign for our federal employees. I just spoke with a group on that earlier today where the, the charities have been vetted to make sure that it's not someone who has just taken up a very similar name of a reputable charity and is trying to pretend they're them in order to get funds from someone who wants to give. That's another thing that will stick in my crawl. And the inspectors have worked on some of these cases where someone's pretended to be a charity and they've gotten money from people when it never went to the real intended charity. So it's, it's doubly harmful. They frauded somebody and they prevented somebody from getting help that needed it. So we're happy to shine a light on that. And I'm glad you asked about that. The other thing it prompts me on is having a battle buddy. I'm not sure if yeah. you guys heard that term before, maybe not on this podcast. Yeah. Hey, Carol, that, uh, that's new to me. What is that? So 
It's a military metaphor. So when you're in a foxhole, there's going to be two of you, right? When I'm up, my buddy's down. When my buddy's up, I'm down. We have each other's backs. A battle buddy has your back. It's a trusted resource. When you're an aging American, maybe some of us, we are not as sharp at, at detecting fraud. So you need a battle buddy to check before you do anything significant financially. And that applies at all ages. My spouse is my battle buddy. We check on things before we do major things. We, we share in that. But I have good buddies that are battle buddies. And everybody needs a battle buddy. And there's probably somebody out there in our listeners out there that, that doesn't have one that a listener knows. It's a neighbor or someone in the community that they could reach out to and connect with. So I'll encourage that. Because the scams are happening. We're all being targeted. There's no question about that. It's just whether or not we're going to participate in the scam and be victimized by it. And it does take our participation, but a battle buddy can help protect you. If you have any doubt, reach out, get some help. Well, Carol, that's good to know. I like that a lot. Hey, Carol, can I ask you about another organization that's out there? Uh, if you participate, I know here in Chicago, you know, my neighbor's on the board with uh, Honor Flight. Is that something that you get involved with out on the West Coast? On a personal level, I'm incredibly aware of it. I, ha- I have not on the West Coast. I know they fly from all over. I have seen... Veterans that were at the, the Iwo Jima Memorial in D.C. on an honor flight when I lived there years ago. I met a gentleman who saw with his own naked eye the flag raising on Iwo Jima. So that was a real privilege for me. Uh, but I, I'm not aware of any criminal work associated with supporting them. Uh, but I do think that's a righteous organization. I'm glad they're there. Yeah, I got an opportunity to participate. Uh, they fly veterans. You know, World War II now, it's uh, the Korean War and uh, now Vietnam War. They fly them to uh, D.C. for a day, and it's awesome. And then when they come back at that night, uh, they fly them in here in Chicago to Midway Airport, and we would all meet out there. And when they got off the plane, we'd be cheering, and it would be very emotional to to watch them um, coming back that night. And uh, we talked about uh, with Doug and uh, and, and Mark, there's a local guy here who's on the executive board for Honor Flame. We might get him on a future show. Oh, that would be great. I'm sure that wonderful stories. When I saw the flights in D.C., it was impactful for me to see those veterans coming off and to meet their family members and to meet them and to hear their stories and to see the gleam in their eye. It puts wind in my sails and makes me want to get out there and do tenacious things for good for the community because they certainly did it. The Korean era, yeah. all the veterans eras, but the, the Korean era is still largely with us. Right. So, Carol, you know, for our audience, whether they are veterans or they're uh, middle-aged or older adults or even young people, what are some of the key takeaways that you can give them through your experience to avoid becoming a victim of some of these scams? Forewarned is forearmed. They Mm. can reference reputable organizations' websites, and they can learn about trends and scams. Whenever there is a doubt, they need to have a battle buddy or someone that's a trusted resource to connect with. That's the second thing. And beyond that, they need to monitor their accounts. They need to monitor their mail. There's a lot of links. I can tell you there's some unique things about the mail they can do. They can get an informed delivery. They can know what's coming to their mailbox and when. Yeah. That's a nice feature that the Postal Service has added. That's a unique piece of Americana at all these delivery points. That's something anyone can do, and that's free of charge for them. Being aware of that. Also, when it comes to protecting their identity, when they go away, they can, they can hold their mail. That's something special with the mail that some people often will forget. You know, disappear for a week, it stacks up, and it's, it's a little bit more of a risk. So there's things they can do that are associated with the mail that we spelled out well on our website, usbis.gov. That's a unique piece of protecting themselves. But the big thing is the battle button. Pause, breathe, and connect. 
If there's any doubt, if you think it might be a scam, you got to pause, you got to take a breath, and you got to connect with that battle buddy, that trusted resource. Pause, breathe, connect. Uh, Carol, man, I like that a lot. I mean, you're right, because the fraudsters, it's all about urgency, right? I mean, they don't want you to talk to anybody. They want you to act right away. You know, I'm thinking, uh, Doug and Mark, that this should be the title of our, our, our of this podcast. I like let's it. get a buddy. Uh, let's Having get a battle, a battle buddy. buddy. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I, I love, love it. it. So one last thing too, and 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 you know, we're drawing a lot of attention with the the next generation and teenagers because they're being targeted pretty heavily. But I, I'm sure we have some listeners out there that might be interested in law enforcement or becoming a postal inspector. I'm amazed of you. I've never met you in person, but I could feel your enthusiasm and love for serving in the government for more than 18 years. And, and you know, what type of tips can you give if you're a young man or a young woman uh, looking to go into law enforcement and possibly with the Postal Inspection Service? Well, I would highly encourage them to fully consider it. Look at all the options. There are many wonderful state, local, federal agencies where you can serve and you can have an impact on your community and you can build a legacy. I've been approached with this question by many young people, and I'll often tell them, imagine you're 90 years old and you're in the rocking chair and you got the grandchild on your knee. What story, what legacy do you have to share with that generation down the road? Will there be a gleam in your eye? Your future self is looking at you and pleading with tears in the eyes to be bold and to do good with the air in your lungs now. And one of those options is through federal law enforcement and certainly with the postal inspectors. I will be able to look those grandchildren in the eye with a gleam in my eye, and I'll be able to tell them that I had love in my heart and I did good for those to my left and my right. Postal inspectors are full of opportunity. Carol, you know, I've always said, you know, myself, uh, again, 29 years with the inspection service and probably 28, maybe more with the International Association of Financial Crime Investigators. And I've been lucky to be part of two great organizations. And uh, you're right. I've, I've enjoyed every minute with the inspection service, the people I've met, the people I worked with, people of other organizations that I've got an opportunity to meet. But, yeah. I'm hoping for our first grandchild in uh, April, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, saving up my stories. There you go. You'll be able to enjoy bouncing that grandchild on your knee, knowing that not only did you serve honorably, but you're passing down a safer environment for the service that you provided for that grandchild. And that stuff ripples through the decades. The good work that was done before. And I don't know yet if it's a boy or a girl, but it doesn't matter, right? Inspection service. We hire women, men. You know. We were one of the first to hire women federal agents back in the early 70s. It was us in the Secret right. Service wow. right out the gate. And we have one of the highest percentages of women serving in our organization of any federal law enforcement agency. And we have women in the highest leadership roles and in all the different categories. It's a great place for anyone, any gender to serve. Yeah, isn't the chief talking about uh, 30 for 30, 30% women by, uh, by 2030? I directly heard from the chief today on a national call referencing and recommitting. He's committed to it. We're doing it. We are showing this opportunity awesome. to everybody, and he's committed to 31st. That's great. And, and and Carol, you know, you, you, you brought back some childhood memories for me. Um, you know, I, I had the honor uh, to be born into a family where my father was a police officer. He spent 46 years serving in law enforcement and, uh, you know, that's what, when I was a kid, I grew up and I'd never wanted to be anything else. You know, I was so proud of what my father did and, and thank God he's, he's still around and doing okay. He's been a little under the weather, but 
But yeah, it's amazing how so many law enforcement families, you know, from generation and generation pass on that love for this uh, type of job. It is such a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm thankful for people like your father. My, my father served in the military and that was an inspiration for me. Two grandfathers served in World War II. That was an inspiration for me. Um, I want to honor that legacy and I want to be a part of the solution and do good. And I feel like those of us in the law enforcement community do that every day when we earn our badge and earn our credentials. Well, Carol, we appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Uh, all you do for our veterans, uh, Operation Protect Veterans. Uh, I know you talked about the, uh, the Inspection Service uh, a website where people could get more information about it, but we'll also put it on our show notes. If anybody, right, anybody has a, a complaint, a victim of a male death, male fraud, they could go to our 800 number. It's, actually, it's 877-876-2455, and we'll put that in the show notes also. That's great. Website and the phone number can ingest the complaint. And Carol, I just I just have to say, man, you are an incredible person. Uh, I can't wait to meet you one day in person at an IFCI event because you are inspiration to our listeners, to those in law enforcement and the public. So I wish you the best and uh, be careful out there and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you all for being part of the solution and taking care of our investigators. I appreciate you. It was an honor to be with you. All right. Well, Mike, another great episode. And man, we, you know, I don't know how we, you know, we have all these awesome guests on. I just don't know how we could get better and better. You know, like every week we just have something truly incredible happen on this podcast. And I know our listeners are enjoying it, getting information they could use in their everyday lives. So, uh, Mike, anything you want to say to our listeners? Where can well, they I knew, find well, I, knew, where, I knew Carol was going to be a great guest. I got to tell you that. Uh, yeah, because you know, cause he's a you know, his, his first I know, name right? is my same last name, you know, <laughs> when Service. Uh, all right. And I yeah. could always use a few brownie points. <laughs> you're not getting no. a promotion, uh, you no, know, as, not, as an analyst. Okay. So okay. yeah, you're not. It's not happening. So, but you do a great job too, Mike. And thank you for your service. But so, I, Mike, uh, if there are uh, listeners out there, maybe listeners for the first time, tell other people about this podcast, the Protectors Podcast. It is here for you to help you avoid becoming a victim, and also to help those that are victims of these crimes to come forward and report it and have it investigated. And Mike, there's new listeners out there. Uh, where can they find our podcast and subscribe to it? Well, I got to tell you, Mark, uh, we hope that our listeners subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcast outlets like uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please sign up. We'd like to have you on. Absolutely, Mike. And listen, we want to hear from our listeners. We appreciate you guys being here week in, week out, listening to our podcast. Give us some feedback. Maybe you want to come on the show and talk about uh, an experience that you had. Maybe you were a victim of a crime, or maybe you're a subject matter expert and like to share your information with others. So if you're interested, shoot us an email at IAFCI protectors podcast at gmail.com and we'll see if we get you on the show and share your experiences with us well mike that's it for me i'm going to sign off this is mark solomon international president signing off from connecticut and this is mike carroll from chicago talk to you again Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. 
To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.